This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. Well, the international break is over and it's Manchester City all the way to Christmas, baby. So welcome to this week's Blue Moon podcast where we'll be previewing the return of the Premier League champions. It's Chelsea on Saturday evening and Frank Lampard's return to the Etihad as a manager and it certainly won't be an easy return to domestic action with the way they've been performing in recent weeks too. Then it's a Champions League Tuesday for City with Shakhtar making the trip to Manchester. And we'll also be hearing this week from our EDS expert Sean Blinkhorn and checking in with Howard Hawking. Plus there's Ask the Panel as well, so let's get going for today's show. I'm David Mooney with me in the studio this week have two city fans in the shape of Kieran Clark safe and Dan Burke evening how are you both doing you both well fantastic good to get city back absolutely tremendous I've enjoyed this international break a bit too much I don't really want city back (laughs) yeah I I could do with another week off okay well I'll I'll write to the Premier League and see what we can do but uh, sadly (laughs) we've got a holiday I could do do with a holiday we've got to dive in Uh, let's start with the title race for this season because uh, we touched on it a lot on last week's show obviously with the the, now the nine point deficit between City and the top Um, they kind of have to get back to winning ways this week there's no two ways about it um, I think obviously I think we need to be a top four rival. I think regardless of where we were in the league, I think um, any any top four team at home you've got you, you know you you've got to beat them. Um, I think Chelsea, obviously ahead of us in the league, which is just absolutely baffling considering where you would have expected us to be at the start of the season. Um, but I'm I'm oddly confident for this one. Um, I, I feel that. Uh, we should be ripe for giving somebody a hiding, considering um, considering the way that the Liverpool game went. Yeah, I think so. I mean, City do react quite well to these defeats, don't they? And, and, and I think that this could be one of those weekends where they really sort of are out there to prove a point. Uh, it's definitely not going to be an easy game, though. Chelsea are a good side. They've they've they're playing with sort of no pressure this season, which I think has been really good for them. Like you said, no one expects them to be a point ahead of us at this point, especially after they lost away at United on the opening day of the season. In the we, manner of that as well. We won at West Ham. You would have, I thought, you know, they might do well to finish top half the way things are going. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm looking forward to it, actually. City will know Liverpool's result. I mean, is it at the stage now where we just kind of forget about Liverpool? Just, just think, let, think, let them do their thing. And... I, think, I think we have to. I think I think the comparisons with last season where it was like tit for tat looking where they were in the league or vice versa or who was playing first, I think they're that far ahead. I think um, it's, it's too early in the season. I think we just have to hope that we can slowly but surely rein them in. I don't think we can be looking at their results now. Um, I think we have... Um, we've underperformed considerably this season, aside from the Liverpool game um, and whatever anyone's thoughts were on that. Um, and I think it's those games rather than the Liverpool game that's put, put us in the position where we are. And realistically, we need to be focusing on Chelsea and Leicester, overhauling them as point one, and then getting and then getting stuck into Liverpool's lead. Sort of a, a case of get your own house in order first. Exactly. I mean, Dan. Even so, Liverpool could be twelve points ahead at the at kickoff. Well, they could only be nine points ahead still, you know. It could That's be one true. of those, couldn't it? Yeah. I mean, I would expect them to be 12 points. They got Crystal Palace away on Saturday afternoon. I don't see them dropping points there. At worst, I think they might get a draw. So, yeah, like you say, it's it's a cliche, isn't it? But you've just got to focus on your own games, take each game as it comes and all that nonsense and just, just try and go out and win now. Plus... Plus, as well, twelve points does sound like a good thing, you know. At the end of the season, where it's like they were twelve points ahead, and we still. (laughs) (laughs) Is there added pressure on City because they've just lost against what is ultimately a very good team? Let's let's make no bones about it. Liverpool are a great team. 
Yeah, um, you just went from very good to great there. <laughs> well, it's true. Like, like City, City didn't get beaten by a poor side. No, no, no. I agree with you, well, but you were already, like, it was like the good, the very good, the great. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I think they're obviously a very good side. Um, I think the way that the game went was, you know, obviously it was full of controversy, at, like, like it always is. Um, but I think, yeah, we 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 didn't get beaten by a poor team. But the fact is, we have been beaten by poor teams already this season. What do you mean by added pressure? Well, just in in the sense of like everybody expected City to be doing better this season, mm. so now they've got to kind of catch up on the difference of where they would have been had they performed better. Does that make sense? No. Like, you're right, <laughs> there were just words coming out of my face. I'm not going to lie. When 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 Dan asked, then what do you mean by added pressure? I I knowing Dan, I was like, I know exactly what he's going to say before you even clarify <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> right, well, I'll move on then. Tom um, City have already lost uh, more this season uh, than the 2018 title winners, City. Uh, they've also lost uh, as many as the title winners in 2016-2015. Do you see a, a realistic scenario now where they get to the end of the season without another defeat? No, no, definitely not. I mean, I don't think... I, it wouldn't surprise me if they lost this weekend, to be honest with you. I think that's a, that's a very real possibility. Um, I hope not, obviously, but... I just, I mean, it's been talked about on on the the post Liverpool podcast, but they're just a bit flimsy, aren't they? City defensively at the moment, you know, the the midfield isn't really protecting the defense very much, so you just don't really see that sort of in, invincible streak in them where they can go on a real long run of of putting a few wins together. My hopes about the title are pretty forlorn at this point, to be quite honest with you. I, I don't really think we're going to rein Liverpool in. I don't think we're going to, you know. Go and beat him for a long period of time. Like I say, I just think it's 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 looking extremely unlikely, and they've just got to try and win. I agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> we've we'll just got to try and win the, the win on Saturday, and then take it from there. But was it the same last season around about Christmas where they where they'd lost to to Chelsea and Crystal Palace and, uh, mm, and Leicester? No, the gap wasn't quite as big at that point, was it? City looked a bit more formidable last season than they do this season. Um, you know they had Laporte for a that start. Was good. That was good. La- Laporte, Laporte's the massive it's key, to, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And you wouldn't have really, I wouldn't have really said that before the season started, but you, you really notice him when he's not there, don't you? I think he is City's most. Well, him and Edison are City's most important players. I would say, as we found out on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, does the international break help Casey? Just kind of does it either because it either gives them time to stew on that result at Anfield and the controversies that went with it, or it gives them chance to just kind of put it out of the minds and get some get some distance between it. Well, I think I think when when you talk about like stewing it over and stuff like that, like we're we're City fans, and you know, although yeah, national teams doing well, blah 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 blah. In reality, you know, we don't care anywhere near as much about any whoever you know, whatever, wherever you're listening from, you know, whatever national team you support. Generally, I'm going to assume that you don't really care about your national team as much as you care about City. Um, and so if you do, turn it off. Turn it off now. <laughs> So it's just it's just a case of like we so we will stew and reflect on on stuff like that, but the players are you know they're all international footballers they they're all away they're all, they're all you know the minds are off it whether they're in the international teams whether they're not um, I can't I can't think too many of them apart from maybe you know the odd one or two has had had a bit of time off as a sort of thought about this but even so like likes of Carl Walker who who wasn't in the England squad it's probably you know his day-to-day training isn't the same as what it is. So I think they've all had a bit of a change of mindset, so you would like to think that that would help. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is that, Dan, we know Guardiola is, is a really bad loser, mm. and you can like, I'm not going to dig him out for that. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Um, he, under under 
him, City generally react quite well to when they've been beaten. Yeah, well, haven't we? Didn't we lose every game before the international break this season? I think the Wolves so. game was before the international break. Norwich definitely was, and Liverpool was, wasn't it? And they came back and won each game after it. I think it perhaps does give Guardiola a bit of time to sit in his office and you know start drawing crazy diagrams on the wall and things like that, doesn't it? And because he went, he went away after they lost to Wolves mm. in the international break. He, he, I think, he flew to Spain and had some time in Spain, yeah. and then and just. You know, the reports were he sat there on like was just on holiday, just stewing on what yeah. happened, and was just furious for the entire holiday. I mean, that's why he's so good, isn't it? Because he he doesn't stop ever thinking about these things and dwells on them. And I'm sure he's come up with a master plan of how they're going to beat Chelsea at the weekend. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come off. I'd like to think it will. I'm sure he's you know thought long and hard about where things have gone wrong this season. I just wonder if even he can sort of fix this from this position now. But how, how much of it is within his control? Though? How much of it is just he hasn't had the players to be able, he hasn't had the uh, flexibility to be able to put his players n- where he wants to. No, no. Uh, see, the, the the sort of there's two points that I think that we need to we need to think about with that that question. Yeah, the players not being there and and things like that. Um, that is a that is a fair enough sort of thing to boost up Guardiola. And I think Dan, you've made this point earlier this season. Uh, Guardiola is quite clearly the best coach in the world for my money. Um, but sometimes he can overthink things. But the point that you've made before, Dan, is that his in-game management does t- does lack a lot, in in my opinion, and I think it does in yeah, yours. Yeah. And resource management as well is something I was yeah. talking about with the you know the the prime example being Edison getting injured four days before the Liverpool game was I think that was a huge mistake on Guardiola's part. Um, yeah, uh, so th- there are things that he can do better. Um, whether that, that's that, I think that's just sort of the thing that you've got to take part and parcel with the genius. But just because somebody is that good and that far ahead of their peers doesn't mean that they are above criticism. I think there are definite ways, and I think, I think even well, I, mean, I, I think even he must recognise it himself because I think when things have changed in games. He generally turns to Arteta and says Arteta's told him that, like even on, on the bench, and then he credits Arteta when we have needed a change that it has been Arteta. So I think Guardiola must recognise that himself because I can't think of too many changes that he's made where we've needed a change that has then been like, oh, I thought this, so I changed that. I can't. I, nothing's you know jumping to the top of me mind about it. So just to get that clear, your position is Pep out, Arteta in. Uh, yeah, whatever. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Get Mancini back. Mancini was great at making in-game subs, wasn't he? He, he was. was. That was he's, one of his big. He is fa- famous for the first ever first ever use of tactics, bringing off the own machine Yaya further forward. No tactics existed before that. But on a serious point, Casey, just on on what you said there, like my other my my counter point to that would be again he's missing Laporte, and as soon as he's he's then had to bring Fernandinho into into defence, which I accept Fernandinho hasn't played in midfield this season. But he isn't there as a midfield option. I, 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 Do you see I, what I mean? He's, he's I, having I compl- to bend so many things. Yeah, I, I, that, that's what I mean. I completely understand that. And I think, for example, the way that he um, he thought about and came up with the solution for the Crystal Palace game where he played Rodri and Fernandinho at two centre-halves, I thought that was excellent. And the way that we push right up the pitch and the way that we control the game, absolutely outstanding. But I'm talking about in-game management. Is 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 when he's got time and he comes up with a solution. Barring Liverpool and Spurs, whatever his blind spot is, there where he decides to play Gundogan on the wing or whatever the hell he comes up with every now and again, he has the odd blind spot there. But generally, ninety nine percent of the time is the way that he starts the game is generally the right way. Not necessarily what we would think, but you watch the game, even even lesser games where you think of Huddersfield last year at home, where Mendy 
pretty much we only played the game down the left hand side of the pitch. Didn't play right back. We yeah. didn't play right back. All those things like we won't think of. I'm specifically referring to his in game management. I can't think of things where he. You know the things that you're absolutely screaming for, and he just doesn't do it. Well, he made one sub against Liverpool, didn't he? he kept <laughs> David Silva and you know who else was on the bench. Um, I, I couldn't see anything in the second yeah. half for the anger miss. To be honest with you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, looking then at this game, obviously we've talked about the, the idea that Guardiola will come up with a plan and, and whether it'll work or not. I, I want to touch on a little bit of Chelsea because I, for up until last weekend where the last round of fixtures i had the i was under the impression that chelsea were a li- had a little bit of a soft underbelly and then all of a sudden they'd won six on the bounce and they were above city yeah they've not really beaten anyone in that that's that run though they've not the the last big game was liverpool and they lost uh they've lost at old trafford this season um they lost to united in the the league cup so they've they are sort of a bit of a flat trap bully i think uh, in the sort of recent run of form which take nothing away you know they you can only beat what's in front of you they've done really well um the third in the league at the moment um like i said they're playing with 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 no sort of pressure on them at all this season i don't think chelsea nothing was expected of them before the start of the season they've had this transfer ban which has given uh lampard a chance to blood loads of young players um and they're really thriving on the the um the opportunities and flourishing under that under that um and yeah, you just you just seeing a, a team who they're just playing. It's just like a carefree thing, and they'll they'll come to the to the Etihad this weekend. Does does it matter if they win or lose? Not really. So and that that's dangerous playing against teams like that. I find. Mm. Does City deal well with boys? No, <laughs> I'm going to say no. I mean, well, I don't. I, you would think City would, we, would be the experienced kind of bully in this situation against Chelsea, really. Because when you think about the certainly the last two seasons. Mm. We we or people outside of, of the club always talk about oh have they found City out and the answer is just no that City had an off day and that's mm. it and you when you look at City's defeats it's usually City had an off day yeah so yeah, but, there's no example of teams coming to City and bullying and, yeah. and having a go at bullying them yeah you know but I think I, mean. I think Dan's point though it was like that they're a flat track bully I think you're not I, th- I don't think pretty much any team in the world is going to turn up at the current City side and uh, even if you're a flat track bully and batter them yeah um, I think it. If anything, even with all the compliments that we've just given Chelsea, there, I think if anything, we asked we we will still be considered that we should turn up and bully them. They're just a young team, Chelsea, as well. So you'd think City's experience would tell this weekend, or you would certainly hope so. Um, but they've got players there who can cause problems. Mason Mount's been really good. Tammy Abraham's banging them in all season. He's been a real revelation for me. Um, the defense is good. Yeah, the, I think I think the defense is the thing that's gone. Um, sort of gone under the radar um i don't really want to comment on the the attackers because whatever i'll say will probably come back and bite me on saturday um well, city haven't got defense that's the problem yeah as well, so yeah um i think you know i do think um their perform the, the the attack has been slightly sort of blown out of proportion considering what they've what they have done but i've been really impressed with with their defending this season and i certainly didn't really expect that under lampard do you ever worry that guardiola like we talked about some of Guardiola's records, like you said, he had blind spots with Spurs and um, and Liverpool. It looks maybe a little bit more like the Champions League, except for Liverpool, if that makes sense. Um, a little bit of a blind spot with Chelsea as well. Played th- played six in the Premier League, lost three. Mm, I don't really believe in stuff like that, to be honest with you. Record. I mean, it's a di- it's he's played against three different Chelsea managers in that time. Hasn't well, I was gonna, yeah, <laughs> yeah that so is the counterpoint. Chelsea, you know, I mean, it's a it's a pretty much a new look Chelsea team this season and so, every season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't see that being much of a factor, to be honest with you. Now, 
Right, so let's let's have a look at the selection then, because um, we know that we talked about City's injuries. The squad is is paper thin at the moment, especially defensively. How do they deal with it? And what what's what is the solution that that they, it just seems to have not been the answer in the last few weeks? <laughs> I, I've, like, I've just pulled a face there because I, I honestly well, don't is know. it paper I've, thin? Yeah, because we've sort of got everyone back now, haven't we? Well, really? Edison's, Edison's trained. Um, Silver's going to be available because he was he was on the bench against Liverpool, wasn't he? Rodri's fit. Rodri played really well for Spain over the international break. Actually, I watched one of their games. He was superb. Um, Didn't they play Malta though? He 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 played in the previous game. I think, okay, all right, all right. Against <laughs> someone quite bad, but quite a bit better than that. Yeah. Not quite uh, Malta. Yeah. yeah. So I think the sort of pretty much back now, with with the exceptions of Laporte. Um, Sane obviously Bernardo can't play this weekend because of his suspension, can he? So De Bruyne scored while he was playing for Belgium, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he got a couple, I think. Yeah, he? yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think the the injury situation isn't as bad as it was before the international break. Now, so who's your centre halves? I would still go Stones and Fernandinho. I still think they're the best pick. Yeah, I agree. Of the, of the available options, I'm, I'm absolutely shocked that this man's not picking out a oh, I've lost. I've completely <laughs> lost it with him. I texted these guys the other night because um, I was watching Brazil Argentina last Friday, oh, and God. Danilo kicked Osamendi in the head. <laughs> I said that was his finest contribution to City. <laughs> I, yeah, you surprised me actually because I mean, even even if like you could have made the argument, well, it gets Fernandinho into midfield. It does like you, I, yeah. I, and I would have swallowed it. I would have swallowed a lot of it, but no, you uh, you didn't even try. But like, the, but generally like. Like the Fernandinho, we have there has been a massive Fernandinho-shaped hole in midfield, and I think that is a big contribute contribution to to the way that we perform this season. I think Rodri will eventually get there, and I do like a lot of what he does, but he doesn't do what Fernandinho does because mm. I don't think anyone can sort of manage what that is. But I think, uh, you know, he gets turned very easily, Rodri. I find, and th- those are easy things that you would expect. To be sort that will sort themselves out after a season of getting used to the, you know, playing in the Premier League. Not everyone completely hits the ground running, and I think there is definitely a player there. But I think uh, there are um, big lapses in concentration, and like you say, you do you do worry that Chelsea could potentially exploit that with their younger players getting in behind him and, and, get, well. and, and getting out of that defence. So that there, you know, there is there is a, an argument to play Fernandinho in midfield. It just we don't have any centre halves. Yeah, <laughs> where's where's Mahrez been? Mares was fantastic for uh, yeah. certainly opening the season. Then he's not he's not really featured. It's a weird one that isn't it? I mean, especially with Bernardo out this weekend. If he doesn't start, it's not looking too good for him, is it? Really, you know, he was awesome against uh, West Ham first game of the season. Uh, Everton away, Everton away, great fantastic. Game. Yeah, Everton yeah. away was brilliant. And he just yeah. he just never had a consistent run on the team, and I feel a little bit sorry for him in that regard. Um, there are times when he sort of still flatters to deceive a little bit. Was it? I think Wolves. He had a pretty bad game. He was isolated quite he a lot. No one played yeah. played particularly well, did he that day? But yeah, I would like to think he will start against Chelsea, and uh, hopefully he'll, he'll grab the opportunity and show Guardiola what he can do. Because Bernardo, you know, I thought he was quite good against Liverpool actually, but he's not really ripped up trees this season, has he at all? So and he definitely won't against Chelsea. I can tell you that now. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, as you might be able to hear, I no longer have a beard. Part of that is down to Harry's, but another part of it is because I'm now 31 years old and starting to go a little bit grey, but let's not talk about that bit. So this week, I lathered up and chopped the beard off after getting a trial set from Harry's. When it arrived, it was neatly packaged in a lovely resealable bag, and in the luxury box inside was a strong, sturdy razor, a tin of shaving gel, and a protective case for a blade. Plus, there were some tips telling me that the guy in the mirror looks great, which he obviously does. 
The foam was soft and gentle on my skin and the shave itself was very close because of the movable head of the razor, meaning I could get to all the awkward places, like under my jaw by my ears, really easily without any danger of cutting myself. And that's a miracle in itself because one of the reasons I normally have a beard is because I'm actually rubbish at shaving without cutting myself. But with this razor it was easy to get a smooth, close shave without a drop of blood spilled. The razor was also a good weight for applying pressure and a comfortable fit in my hand. It's left my chin looking a lot smoother than it's done for years. If you know me, then you'll know another reason that I normally wear a beard is that I don't enjoy the effort of shaving daily, but this was really comfortable and easy. Now, Jeff and Andy, the creators of Harry's, were two ordinary guys fed up with overpriced razors. They set up Harry's to fix shaving. They knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. By taking less profits, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. The trial set includes everything you'll need for a close, comfortable shave, a weighted ergonomic handle, five precision-engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You can get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial sets for £3.95, and you'll be helping the Blue Moon podcast out too if you sign up to get your trial set delivered to you by going to harrys.com forward slash moon right now. If you're listening to this on your phone, you could do it now while the show still plays in the background. That's harrys.com forward slash moon. Final bit for the first part of the show. I just want to talk a little bit about outside impressions of City this season um, because I know I know full well City are not going to get much sympathy. They've spent a lot of money. They've had a, a fantastic squad for you know for go, touching on ten years. You suggesting now. there's an agenda? I'm how, not. How, but what, how can we combat? It? What I'm what I'm getting at here is should there at least be more acknowledgement of the problems City have had this season from outside? Um. No, I, I no. I th- I, th- I think we've had a, I think we've had probably about the right amount of coverage. I just think that what I would say is that there's a lot of guff blown up over teams' holes. That um, <laughs> very, that, di- very diplomatic. Yeah, that uh, you know, trying not to swear. You know, uh, but yeah, basically, I, I think, I th- and then that sort of skews our judgment of it. Um, so on the flip side, Dan, do you feel City have had the credit they deserve for the last two years? No. Well, of course not, and they never will do because of the the, the money and the, you know the ownership situation and all that. That's never going to happen. You can you can forget that now. And they, they have had a lot of credit as well, and from the in a footballing sense for what they've done, they do get a lot of praise, which I think people. But it's, it, it's because it's always caveated, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And and I think I think part part of the thing that riles about it as well is just that, like on obviously on this program we've you know we've criticised oh well I have on this program uh, <laughs> criti- criticised many aspects of the club and things like that. Um, but I think. Our fan base is sort of lumped in as if we're all like, you know, these sort of headless chickens that all will follow um, whatever the club say and do just because we've had this investment. Whereas I think in reality, I don't I don't know too many people that are like that in real life Um, yet. You know, there are there are a lot of people, um, I think, in in the media that sort of have a go at us as a fan base. That sort of that sort of wrinkles a bit with me, certainly, because it's just like, no, well, you know, we aren't all like that. And, and like literally, you are on record. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure you know people get bombarded with absolute nutters all over the show. But I think you know most fair people that you talk to 
I think we do have generally, you know, a sort of level-headed fan base yeah. of the well, certainly the people I know, a present company, obviously accepted. But your I thought question, you were going to say, I, yeah, <laughs> thanks for that. Do you mean with your question about the sort of injury situation, the fact that it's not really been? Yeah, it always like it's certainly felt for me the last few weeks. It's been, you know, oh, another shocker, City have, have not defended well, and you kind of going, well, of course they've not defended well. Yeah. They're, they're playing two midfielders in defence, and they, well, like they've. I mean, I know they've not solved the problems, but. They also they they kind of half did and then they got really unlucky with it. Exactly. Well, I mean the comparison, the obvious comparison is imagine if Liverpool had to play for a sustained period of time without Van Dijk, Fabinho, and Mo Salah all at the same time, which is the sort of situation that City have been in this season. They would not be top of the league by eight points. You know, they would struggle. Any team would struggle with it. But City are just never going to get that level of sympathy really because people people look at City's squad and think it's this like amazing squad with with loads of depth. There isn't actually that much depth there. I don't think. There's, there's, really there's, small. They're reliant on like the, three or yeah. four players, and if they don't play, we're in a bit of trouble. The, there's there's a lot of depth in midfield and not anywhere else, mm. um, and I think I think we most of us would have said at least for the last three seasons that we need to sign another left back to, co- to cover Mendy and we haven't done. Um, but like I think everyone wanted a replacement for company in the summer, absolutely everyone, and the fact that we didn't, uh, and especially considering. I think Cancelo is probably going to be a good player or whatever, but considering the company thing changed the fact that we didn't sign Chilwell, imagine we got Chilwell in the summer, I think, again, we probably would have looked a lot better and a lot more solid this season. But the fact that we then don't have a centre-half because of that, I think everyone in the summer knew that we needed a centre-half and the club just didn't do it because I think they looked at what happened with the Delft situation where we got away with him at left-back for a season and I think they've tried to do it again this year and we've just been found out, really. Yeah, I was got one, one other question I wanted to ask also is, is on the pitch, can you understand why there would be a little bit of a drop-off after the last two years? Because the bar was raised so high. Yeah, I mean, they're only human at the end of the day, aren't they? Yeah, you can't expect them to... I mean, Liverpool have been amazing, that's the other thing yeah. to remember. You know, they've dropped two points all season so far. Um, no one expected that before the start of the season. Everyone at the start of the season, and I sort of convinced myself of this, was that Liverpool can't possibly repeat this again. We'll get 95 points at least again. We'll cruise the league this season, no problem. And it's you know not worked out that way at all, has it? So, in any other season, we might not have been... It might not have gone so badly. We might uh, yeah. not have been so far behind, but uh, we're just up against a team who just aren't dropping points. I think. I think. I think we've sort of we've 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 arguably put ourselves in this situation because we've raised the bar so high, and Liverpool have come up to meet it. I think you know, apart from the past three or four seasons, I think it, our start for this this year is perfectly fine for a title winning side. But because we've raised the bar that high, and fair, fair play to Liverpool for coming up and meeting it, it's just a case of. Yeah, we we drop off a little bit, and that's it. The, you know, we're they're out of sight. Yeah. And I know you probably wanted to try and get through a whole show without talking about VAR, but <laughs> Jesus, that's, that's been a factor, hasn't it? Like we have had decisions go against us this season, which I think were wrong. Spurs, yeah, yeah, Spurs. You know, the Liverpool game I think was pretty farcical. I'm not going to go on about it again. And I know that from from experience that if you bring these things up on Twitter after games, you don't get much sympathy for that either. So it should just stop being sour grapes, Dan. That's yeah. what I say. But you know, <laughs> Liverpool are probably going to win the league this season. But for me, there will always be an asterisk next to this season because of how farcical VAR has been. So yeah. Perfect points. Finish the first part on, I think. Uh, we're turning our attention now to the EDS and uh, the youth teams. I've been speaking to our expert, Sean Blinkhorn, to find out more about why the younger teams are underperforming a little this season. For a little while now, um, they've been quite badly underperforming. They're, they're currently at the bottom of the reserve league. And I know I've talked about 
reserve football in the past and you know the average city fan shouldn't really care but can you imagine for in terms of a youth development um situation can you imagine if the reserves fall to the bottom tier of, of reserve football <laughs> it's not going to be it's not going to be a good Do, thing for it them doesn't have a pull does it then? no it, no it doesn't i mean i mean we we have problems attracting and keeping older kids anyway so you can imagine what it's going to be like at the bottom bottom level of, of reserve football as teams like even derby are you know a, a, a surging ahead of us i think for a little while now the managers simon davis and now paul harsley they're just they're just really unimpressive. This football that they put out with, with quite talented players, has just been really uninspiring and just awful to watch. And it's you know it's 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 having its. Well, it's funny because they made a big thing about this uh, when they when they appointed Pellegrini. I know it's years ago, but they they, they made this big the thing about thing. having holistic approach yeah. where everything from the youth level to the top level would be the same sort of It'd approach. Just be all one. I know Guardiola's come in and said. And, and you know spoke quite dourly of, of the reserve system and I kind of understand where he's coming from because it's not it isn't great football and it's not ideal at all but when you start a, a, appointing coaches like Davis and Harsley who have just got absolutely nothing to offer you're turning the you know we'll go into it when we we talk about the under 18s later but you're just turning it into just a a swamp, the EDS where talent goes to die like it, it's just becoming ridiculous I mean the old uh, to pull it back a little bit, the old narrative is that results aren't as important, at, at, you know, at this sort of level of of, um, of development. Would you think, you personally, David, would you think that's that's correct? I, I think, like, and don't get me wrong, I don't mean this in a bad way, mm. but I don't care. Yeah, I don't, I don't care whether the youth team is winning or not. It's nice to have a successful youth team. It's nice to to, to be winning the FA Youth Cup, for yeah. instance. But I. I, I my ultimate my ultimate care of City is, is the first team and how the first team yeah. are doing. So that's where all of my investment is. I don't like it, it's great if the if the kids are doing well. Yeah. But I'm not particularly bothered if they if they go on not to do well. But on the, on the flip side is I like you like seeing youth products make it through to the first team. Exactly, yeah. So I've always said I I've always felt my position would be I don't really care if they win things or not just as long as they are developing young footballers yeah and I think that's where that sort of line of thinking comes from the generally the the fan your average city fan does not care and that's where the idea of um all results don't really matter comes from and I understand that um but is this not the is this not the time as they become senior well you know apprentice professionals and then on to professionals is this not the time that they need to become winners in a results-based business you know the young apprentices in a results-based business as far as i'm concerned so they need to start winning at least most of the time you know they at least need to start competing uh which the eds just aren't doing and it's just uh it's just becoming a bit of a quagmire for them well let's how do the eds compare then to the under 18s well previously the the under 18s haven't exactly been all conquering but if you imagine the likes of Lee Carsley who was only here for a year got to a youth cup final Gareth Taylor has since got to the youth cup final when actually given charge of the the uh, the youth cup side but the football they've played and the you know the the prospects that they kick out of the under 18s are so much more promising the the style of play is a little bit more what you'd expect to see in at the top uh, top level and they're also competing on most fronts that they that they that they attempt to. So I think it's worth pointing out that in the in the previous five years we've reached four FA Youth Cup finals. The only year we didn't 
it was inex- the team was inexplicably given to uh, EDS manager Simon Davis instead of uh, the new under 18s manager Gareth Taylor. It's the only time that's happened, and well, we saw the we saw <laughs> the negative result of it. There just seems to be a complete crisis of recruitment at, at the when it comes to the EDS because everything up to schoolboy age or just past schoolboy age is fantastic, but then on from there, like I say before, it's just we're just not developing players we're not we're not exploiting the talent that is there whether that ultimately becomes for profit or for you know first, first team potential matches, yeah. yeah it just isn't quite getting there I and mean, i think the the academy's falling short when it comes to above 18 at the minute so uh, it's the youth cup third round uh, coming up what are the what are city's prospects like with that well so we've drawn swansea at home and um, like i say fortunately the under 18s are managed by gareth taylor um a lot of what I've just said has been prompted this week by the news that Gareth Taylor has been he's being um, shortlisted by first team jobs. I think Hearts was the team mentioned when I saw it. Um, so I mean, I mean, like I say, we've we've replaced Lee Carsley. I'm pretty sure we could replace Gareth Taylor as well. We we seem to be quite good at that. But for now, he he will be in charge of the youth cup side. They've, the under 18s like I said last week, they've had a, a swashbuckling start to the season they've they've hit their first real snag by losing to United which is as always absolutely embarrassing <laughs> you don't lose to United but but it'll be interesting but it'll be interesting to see how that that because that like I like I've said they that's mainly the, the scholarship group the 16 17 year olds it'll be interesting to see how they are then sprinkled with talents from the second year you're looking at could, could maybe how Bellis Tommy Doyle play uh Jaden Braff that would be that would be the most exciting one for me put Braff in that under under 18 side and you're looking at potentially a bit of a force and hopefully to, to go on and win this year's competition for a pledge of two dollars a month you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics there's more details on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Sean Blink on there talking to me about the EDS. It's now time to look ahead to the game with Shakhtar in the midweek in the uh, in the Champions League. Uh, the picture is that uh, they will qualify with a draw this time. We thought it was going to happen last time. Uh, it turns out that the other result meant that City didn't quite qualify. They will do it with a draw this time. Dan, help me out here because... Like, what's they the qualified t- before what's they even kicked say? the ball of this yeah. group, hadn't they? When the draw was made, we'd qualified. It was obvious that they were never going to struggle with this group. Come on, it's lads. Just... I think we need backs to the wall. Go go all out for a nil-nil this week. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like, what's what's there to say about this stage of the Champions League? It is, it is a drawn-out process. It's crap. But... It's crap. You can't really say too much more than that. It's just like, it's, it's tedious and boring, you know... Are you going? I, no, I'm not. I like I, well, obviously I've, I've I've talked too much about reasons why I, I sacked off all the cut schemes because of the club and stuff like that. But I used to be one of those people that you know would rattle around the the Etihad, you know, the second round of the League Cup game when you know about twelve people turned up, you know, when we'd be playing God like God knows whoever at home, and I'd turn up for every game because I really look forward to it. But I think uh, I think the the group stage of the Champions League just in itself is one of the reasons of the oversaturation of like home games in the evening. Maybe it is because obviously I'm a bit older now, got you know family and all that sort of thing, so my priorities have changed. But it's just kind of like I'm really thankful when I think City are at home and it's a game I don't 
I'm not too bothered about, but I've got something nice to watch on telly in the evening. Yeah, and because yeah. I'm, I'm, Dan, I'm assuming you'll be back in Germany. <coughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to say it's, it's like you should be going. No. But, um, plastic, but I'm not, I'm not going plastic either. Plastic fan. Live. Yeah. <laughs> live. I've watched uh, all four of our Champions League games on TV this year, and I've fallen asleep during two of them. That's how exciting <laughs> the Champions League group stage has been so far. I'm not lying. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. It's a. It's a Last, you know, last time out wasn't wasn't uh, dull at all, was it? Everything no, was happening that in the was, second half. I, I stayed awake through that one, thankfully. But um, yeah, I just think it's been it's been a really boring group stage, and it's a bit of a bloated competition that I think really needs trimming down. I think if anything, they're going to make it bigger out in the Champions League at some point, which I think is a really bad idea. Um, I know we're not here to talk about this, but are you away for not even thinking of a third European? No, no, there is a third. There is a third. Yeah, the new Intertoto Cup, isn't it? Basically, it's going to be. Yeah. Well, I'd I'd say it's it's halfway between Intertoto and the old Cup Winners' Cup is what I would say. Yeah. I remember the days when I would have loved to have been in the Intertoto Cup. How things change. Yeah, and now we're bored of the Champions League group stage. (laughs) Spoiled little bastards, aren't we? Basically, yeah. I always just thought the Intertoto Cup should have been, you know, for an African competition. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a minute. <laughs> yeah, I got there in the end. Um, do you feel like Guardiola has focused a little bit more on the Champions League this season? And I'm going to point that to you, Dan, because about the way you said he's he team selection in, in Atalanta. Yeah, I found that totally baffling, to be honest. And I got a bit of um, criticism from people on Twitter after the game for pointing this out when I was actually saying, at least, if not publicly, at least privately to people before the game, that he should have been resting a few players for that game because it was meaningless in the grand scheme of things. We got a one-all draw. If we'd lost that game, it wouldn't have really changed an awful lot. He could have played Bravo in that game and he could have played you know Foden or Doyle. Uh, no he couldn't play Foden sorry because he was yeah, suspended he wasn't he Doyle. Doyle definitely I yeah, thought yeah. should have started that game yeah Um, and then who knows what if, if the game at Anfield might have been different it, probably it, not did, 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 did Garcia or Harwood Bellis even make the bench for that I think Garcia possibly did but Harwood Bellis no yeah that's yeah. what I mean it just yeah I, I agree with you it seemed that I, I, I don't necessarily agree with the Edison thing because it is freakish for your goalie to get injured. I can see where you're coming from on it, like, but and even but then, Bravo could have been sent off inside ten minutes, and Edison come on. So mm, yeah. Scott Carson could have come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I want Scott to get a run out before the end of the season. He's had a happens. run out already in company's testimonial. What more do you want? Did he play in that? He yeah. did. Yeah, oh, yeah. That was a bit it's his debut. Out, right? We'll give Benjani <laughs> a run out before the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to see his celebration again. That's yeah. Like, yeah. Um, all that in mind, how important is it to finish top of the group these days? Not Still pretty really. important, I think. Do you? Do yeah. you? I, I think I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I, like, I think. I think not. Not because of the way that the Champions League is structured. I think obviously that's changed, so it's made it less important. But I just think, as long as we don't come up against an English team, we should be pretty much fine. <laughs> or am I? Am I missing something there? I think as long as we're not playing Tottenham or Liverpool, we should be fine. You can't in the last sixteen, can you? Yeah, that's what I mean. So, yeah, well, so. oh yeah, so yeah, it's only the quarterfinals, I suppose. That yeah. really matter. It's an open draw by then. Isn't it? But we've yeah, had yeah. some. We got uh, Basel the year before last. Who did we get last year in the last sixteen? I can't Schalke. remember. Schalke. Schalke. Yeah. So again, we finished top of the group and we got pretty much by to the, the quarterfinal there, didn't we? So I think it is important, and I think they'll do it pretty comfortably. They'll. What they need one point now to qualify, and then if they win on Wednesday, could they win the group? They they probably the won the group. Spare? I'll be honest with you, I don't really understand the maths. But uh, yeah, uh, I think you, yeah. well, I think I think I think you need to care to understand. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just one of those. It's 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 not like working out, you know the you know the UEFA Nations League connotations, mm. where you know you do genuinely need a degree in maths to figure <laughs> out what the hell's happening. Mm. But but yeah, it's just. Uh, 
and 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 as at the same time, I don't really want to be disparaging listeners that are, are sort of that are really invested in it and are really up for it. But you know, all three of you must be, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, just just you know, enjoy it. Like, but I, I just I'm just sort of bored of it. Now. And we play Shakhtar as we said during the break every two weeks. Oh, it seems, God. isn't it? Yeah. Every yeah. time, so, I, every, never time play again, every yeah. time I'm on this podcast, we're talking about Shakhtar, and it's just like. In the car on the way here, when you picked me up, David, I was just like, "What the hell else can I say?" I was like, "They play play in orange." Can't, <laughs> can't really think of anything else. <laughs> it's nice for Fernandinho, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, does City need to win this competition, Dan? And I'll let you define need however you want to. Uh, well, in that case, I'm going to say no. No, they don't. Um, it would be very nice if Guardiola would leave having won the Champions League uh, if he doesn't win it this season hopefully they'll stick around and have another go at it next season I was going to say would, does he'll... it tempt him into staying longer if they don't win it no I don't think so I think he's going at the end of his contract whatever happens now if not before I'm not saying that, 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 that's, but... that, 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 that's that, that I, I completely agree with that sentiment it's either he finishes it or he goes before yeah I have a feeling he could go at the end of the season, mm. but that's another another story altogether. Um, well, we've got time. <laughs> as long as we're not talking about Shakhtar. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you, if you want me to expand on that a little bit, yeah, I do feel like Guardiola is getting a bit itchy feet at the moment. He doesn't seem too happy with things at the moment, does he? The way things are going, the way sort of the VAR decision have gone this season. He yeah. just seems he's getting a bit a bit irritated by things. And I could see him possibly thinking, mm, if Juventus offered me the job in the summer, maybe I would go. I think there was a story in The Athletic after the Liverpool game suggesting that he might be looking to leave at the end of the season. And I think it was uh, the Independent the next day said, no, actually, he wants to stay for the end of his contract. So we'll see. Um, they say normally honours his contracts. I mean, they yeah. say normally in the fluid I, terms. No, he had to... no, I, I, th- I think if he goes early, he, he takes a sabbatical. I don't think he, mm. he goes to leave, leave us. I think... I think if he honours his contract and then goes to Juventus, Juventus or back to Bayern, I suppose are the two are the are the most logical ones. But I think I, I can see him doing that. But I just think the reason the only, the main reason why I could possibly see him going early is like is like the reasons that you've just outlined just there, burn, Dan. Burn just, just it just does look a bit like it is getting to him this year. Mm. So I imagine if he does decide to go at the end of this year, it's because of it's it's because he needs a break. In terms of, we talked about Chelsea and the sort of side that City should field. What should they do for this one? Is this is this a case of, of weakening the team again, rotating? I'd because give, I'd give you a game. <laughs> Stick you in that. You, 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 yeah, you played at the Etihad before. I'd just make sure that your boots didn't break this time. I, and... I would I would love to, but <laughs> I suspect you have to be registered in the squad. And as yet, I'm yet to make a professional could, appearance could, for anybody. Yeah, but could you not get uh, could you not get in as a youth team player? No. Well, I wish I could. But, you know, <laughs> at thirty-two years old, I'm going to struggle on that one. I mean, you, I, for me, I would be looking, you know, to play the sort of mirror image of whatever the team is um, this Saturday. So, if Aguero plays, you start Jesus against Shakhtar. If uh, you know Otamendi can play, Angelino can play. If Mendy plays, or Otamendi can't play. Cancelo can play. If, if Walker plays, you know, just we've got players there who could be rotated for this game. Um, I would do that definitely. I'd, I'd, I'd definitely give a, a couple of the couple of the kids a chance. Um, because as I say, I, I think we're we're pretty much qualified. Uh, I'd I'd certainly play Doyle and Foden if we can do. Whether mm. he plays one or Foden, both of them, actually, I don't know. yeah, Foden yeah. should start. I, I would say. But I I would 
I don't know whether I'm. I I think that we could do with a bit of just a change of energy in the pitch against Chelsea and play Foden, but that's that's Possibly. not that's not going to happen. Mm. Um, but I'd definitely play him next week. Well, this week, next week, whatever it is. Well, let's uh, let's try and win some money for charity then, because uh, Simon Bakowski rightly predicted City's three-one defeat at Anfield a few weeks back, so he added 180 pounds to the pot, taking the total raise for the Christie for the charity bet this season with William Hill up to 430 pounds. So uh, at least some good came of. Uh, the horror show at Anfield. So time to see if we can add some more money to the pot. Uh, Dan, what are you having for uh, for Chelsea? I'll go for a five-goal thriller, 3-2 to uh, City. 3-2 is uh, 16 to 1, so £160 uh, to, to the Christie if you're right. And for Shakhtar, what are you having? 4-0 City. Uh, is 9 to 1, so £90 if you're right. KC, what, uh, what about Chelsea? Uh, I'm going to say 5-2 to City against Chelsea. Uh, I hope you're right, because that's 45 to 1, and I think would be our biggest win. So um, even, even bigger, did Sam Lee not win massive with the with yeah. the Watford one a couple of years ago? But I thought that was I, I thought that might have been forty. Right. Well, I can't I can't remember. I can't. Well, I have well, to go I, back well, and check. Well, I, I've never won one, so I'm due one. I've done about forty five <laughs> shows without winning. So so <laughs> excellent. So uh, no time like the present. So uh, four hundred and fifty quid if you're right. Uh, and Shakhtar uh, three nil is thirteen to two. So back down to earth with sixty five quid if you're right on that one. I'd uh, say I'd take that though if you're not to be sniffing. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've gone for four-one against Chelsea, so fourteen to one, and three-one uh, against Shakhtar, seventeen to two, and eighty-five pounds. You've got to be eighteen or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more information on responsible gambling, check out begambleaware.org. Uh, now it's time for some whataboutery with Howard Hawking. <laughs> safe to come out from behind the couch now? Have we finally stopped talking about Raheem Sterling? Well I haven't, but I'll be brief. Apologies in advance. You see I generally hate the whataboutery argument of where were you when, insert name of other player, was getting the same treatment thrown towards journalists or football managers that we've seen this week. Because it's veracity rests on the fact that the people making such arguments have a perfect recollection of who has said what and when at the time of the older incident. However, with the booing of Raheem Sterling, I think the argument can be made with confidence. You see, I remember a lot, clearly, of what has been said and written about Raheem Sterling over the past few years. After all, I think for a lot of City fans, it is our core celebrity to remember. I remember the Norwich fans booing his every touch at the Etihad. I remember him booed in an England shirt in Ireland. I remember the words of Aldridge, Nicol, Pearce, Saunders and more. I remember, and I won't forget. So where were you, Gareth Southgate and others, when Raheem Sterling was being booed? Where were the sports reporters? Conspicuous by their absence, that's where. Of course, the Sterling narrative has followed a very distinct path, and it was embarrassing but at least slightly reassuring to see the press pack wake up as one about 18 months ago to the realisation that they should be backing Raheem Sterling on and off the pitch, not hounding and criticising him. A group of almost exclusively middle-aged white men being made aware that their opinions may come across as a tad underhand with some sinister undertones, and perhaps it was time to change tack. Better late than never, I guess. And this is not to denigrate Joe Gomez in any shape or form. He's done precious little wrong and the booing was pathetic. Decrying his mental scarring from what he experienced is hard to take for many a City fan after what has happened to Sterling for many years, but it is treading on delicate ground to criticise how he should feel about events. We're all different after all, and some have thicker skins than others. What's more, Gomez himself hasn't said a word, so all we have to go on are media reports that may contain varying levels of accuracy. This is more about the media stretching out a story for all eternity when it should have been old news by midweek, 
rather than debating whether Joe Gomez is a snowflake. So with that in mind, let's hope for consistency in the future. This caring approach is fine by me, but let's see articles written on it and managers speaking out the next time a player is booed because a minority of inbred knuckle-draggers don't like his attitude, brashness or the cleanness of his new supercar. But booing a footballer is pretty weird though, at least to the extent of entering the ground knowing you will do it. Booing a whole team can be distracting, but to pick out an individual still makes me feel weird were I to do it. Gary Nell is probably the closest I have come, and he's hardly the devil incarnate. It's almost as weird as booing a tune over the tannoy, eh? But each to their own. Some people like Marmite and Olives and don't have front left as their favourite hob, so there's no accounting for taste. Well, that's more than enough on that topic, at least until the next time a footballer gets booed for little or no reason. On the pitch, as England breezed through their qualification campaign, as they were always going to do, we did not really learn that much that we did not already know. Still, 37 goals in 8 qualifying games is impressive, and the squad looks ready to compete with the best before an inevitable semi-final exit. But perhaps next time it will be different, because the vagaries of the new finals format makes Euro 2020 almost a home competition for England. This may well be their best chance of a generation to win a major trophy. The Nations League does not count. As you will probably be aware, this was to be the first finals where venues would be spread across Europe, and it still will be. A logistical nightmare for many fans, but they have rarely been at the forefront of such decisions. However, the UEFA Executive Committee removed Brussels as a host city in December 2017 due to delays with the building of the Euro Stadium. The four matches, three group stages, one round of 16, initially scheduled to be held in Brussels, were reallocated to London. Hence Kevin De Bruyne's anger at Belgium's draw being half known already was not helped by the knowledge that the lack of that new stadium in Brussels means Belgium missing out on two home games as well. Wembley Stadium on the other hand will host a total of seven matches as London was already chosen to host the semi-finals and final of the tournament. Thus England will play most, if not all, of the tournament at Wembley and suddenly their chances of success have been raised even further. They won't be the only team playing at home however, every host nation who qualifies is guaranteed two home games in the group stage, as alluded to with Belgium. Still, home advantage may come in useful in the knockout stage. What's more, they will be one of the six top seeds, and this may count for litter with plenty of talented teams loaded into lower pots. The two finalists in last year's World Cup final won't be seeded, for example, whilst Portugal seem to have found themselves in pot three. For England, the worry is not only the weak area that is a defence, but their expectations will rise so much in the media that once more another tournament will become a damp squib, the weight of those expectations too great for a generally young squad. After that will come the inevitable recriminations and scapegoats. I wonder which clubs said scapegoats will play for. It's a mystery for sure. But finally, one little aside. Daniel Levitt took it upon himself to liven up the tedium of an international break, so we should really be thanking the likes of him and Raheem Sterling, not criticising them. Now, it was blatantly obvious the second Pochettino was dismissed that a successor had been lined up. This was confirmed by the following morning. He did not negotiate multi-million pound managerial deals in a couple of hours, so Levy moved to dismiss the Spurs manager safe in the knowledge he had a replacement ready to take over the reins. And I am fine with this, as it is not in a club's interest not to have forward planned in such a situation. After all, whether to dismiss a manager in the first place can often be dependent on who the chairman or board know they can get as a replacement. And yet, and yet, 
I think some of you know where I'm going with this. The staggering hypocrisy of large swathes of the English media when dealing with Manchester City compared to any other team has been laid bare once more this week. Hence why the supposedly highbrow Henry Winter can accuse City of lacking credibility and respect over the sacking of Mark Hughes. No doubt fuelled by the outright lies spread by the likes of Rob Beasley on Sunday supplement that Roberto Mancini was in the stands during Hughes' final match in charge. No class, no intelligence, no credibility. That's how Henry's article began in 2010. Now hazard a guess if he used similar language to report on the shock sacking of Maurizio Pochettino, who is clearly double the manager of Mark Hughes will ever be, which ain't difficult to be fair. Answers on a postcard, please. Some journalists may point out that City handled the Hughes sacking badly, but that is a pathetic diversionary tactic. Is there a good way to sack someone? I'm yet to see it. No wonder that so many City fans walk around with tinfoil hats on, as we read about Pep leaving next summer, Aguero too, impending Champions League bans and more. At least, after 11 years, I can laugh most of it off nowadays. Most, but not all. A mention in Henry Winter's 2010 article is relevant to the important thing about what about her. It can be ill-judged, inappropriate and irrelevant, but it does have its place. And the reason a minority, or maybe a majority of football journalists, dismiss its use in any form is because they know it can be used against them. It can be used to shine a light on their prejudices, hypocrisy and lack of consistency. So what about to your heart's content? Hi, good afternoon, this is Dennis Stewart calling and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. You've made it this far, so don't give up now. Howard Hawking there. It's time to finish with Ask the Panel. Send your questions in for next week at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter. You can email us in the usual way through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com, or search for us on Instagram as well. Just uh, have a look for Blue Moon Podcast on there. Uh, First up is Harvey Baines on the emails. He asks, what do you think of Gareth Southgate hanging Raheem Sterling out to dry over what happened in the England squad? I thought that Sterling uh, really let himself down with his behaviour and he was a bit of a dickhead there, to be honest. And I think he needed to be told in no uncertain terms that that was unacceptable behaviour for a professional footballer, uh, especially an international footballer. But I thought Southgate could have handled it all in-house and he didn't need to drop him against Montenegro. And it probably would have got out to the press anyway, but so what, really? I think dropping him was such a big statement to send out. And I think it kind of let it hung Gomez out to dry as well. It didn't really... Because of the reaction that then exactly, happened. Exactly, yeah. I, I, I think he had the best intentions going into it. I think he always does Southgate. Um, I think he's a good guy and a conscientious guy when it comes to that sort of stuff. So maybe a bit naive? But yeah, I, think, yeah, I just I, think he, he made the wrong decision there, personally. I, th- I think it was poor judgment. Um, but what I will say is I really love the way that Sterling still asked because... Gomez shouldn't have been doing what he was doing on the pitch anyway. And the fact that Sterling's like, no, you're not getting away with this. I, I still admire that, but maybe that's just because I'm a bit of an arsehole like that as well. Are we, are we pe- <laughs> I, I'm, I'm quite a petty person. I'm quite, quite up for that. Yeah. Understatement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the annoying thing about this um, that I've seen a lot of Liverpool fans saying was that Sterling like lost his head at Anfield and, and they got to him again. That was and, nonsense. And that was nonsense. Yeah. He had a brilliant game and he lost his head at being kicked basically didn't it which is which I thought I thought was a somebody's right to reaction. Do, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but this was another victory for Liverpool against Sterling and you know vindicated again and all this sort of but stuff I, t- I tell you what the, the, the press around this Gomez thing is just god my god yeah they, they, like they, they, they genuinely are making it worse for that lad 
it, it, it's it's something and absolute nothing. But because they've got you know Balakal to write about, it's just absolute nonsense. I was so it? bored of it by that Tuesday yeah. night, like tediously, like dangerously bored of it. Yeah. Well, it's... sorry, I'll move on then. <laughs> um, I, I shouldn't have brought it up. Sorry, Dan. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it just seemed that there was so much build up to that game, and obviously there was a lot of controversy in it. Any sort, it just felt like even before the game, any sort of way that they could have dragged the press around that game out for another week just to file copy is just it's just seen that no matter what was going to happen, they w- they were going to drag it out, and you know obviously the prayers were answered with with something and nothing that they can just you know you know ring the doilies about as if it's you know you know that you know the people who are writing about it, they don't actually care this stuff happens gonna, all the time i was gonna well, say yeah. you, you've got to fill those news pages with something but then i realized that actually they're all online these days so you literally don't have to fill them if there's nothing going on <laughs> it's all it? clicks it's like, now yeah. though isn't it it's all yeah. clicks yeah uh uh, Mike Cook has been in touch on Twitter. Uh, following on from last week's discussion about good chances, are we struggling because Bernardo, Mares, and Sterling all want to cut inside from where they're currently playing, when in the past we had players getting to the byline and getting low balls in? I, I, th- I think that's a fair point. Um, I think Sterling can play equally well on both sides. Um, and I think, obviously, it was a surprise how much he played ahead of Sane on the left-hand side last year. Um, Mares is definitely better from the right. And I think the fact that he's been in the team so much has put Sterling on the left. But I think he should have been using Bernardo more in the middle. Uh, he's he's not played at all in the middle since his man of the match display against Liverpool last season, which is just baffling. Mm. And I think we not necessarily starting and playing a full 90 minutes, but there's no reason why Sterling can't have played more within games on the right-hand side, I don't think, to sort of... Especially because we have been struggling in games this season, which goes back to my earlier point about in-game management. It's just like just to change things up, even if it's for you know, I know we have done it, but I mean, I think we could have done it more to try and sort of pick the lock and do different things with teams. Um, and I, I, I think it's a good point. Um, but what I don't think the question does take into account is not just when players come in inside. You do also lose it when players play in the traditional with you with your right foot on the right hand side and your left foot on your left hand side. Is players arriving in the box from the other side? We score a lot of goals not because of players cutting inside, but when the crosses come across, when you're on your inside foot, you're in a much better, better position to finish it. And that is one of the main reasons why I suspect that Pep has the inverted wingers, not necessarily for the traditional way where the way Mancini would have played inverted wingers, I think it's because of the way that they can come onto crosses and meet them, you're in a much better position. But I, just, I, I just think of the of how few times this season Sterling is in that tapping position. Mm. But I don't think that's because of where... He played on the left for most of last season and and I think Sterling's goal record is still ridiculous. I mean, it's incredible yeah. this season. Yeah, yeah so I, I'm, I'm not... I, I, I'm not I, I don't really buy that. And I, get, I get that we're probably not getting as much crosses across, but I, I don't really see that. Of it. Yeah, I think well, I think Sterling's benefiting from it. If anything, I think he's really thriving in that um, cut, cutting in off the left hand side. I think perhaps the Sané injury has been downplayed quite a lot this season, possibly because if he hadn't got injured, we might have sold him to buy in anyway and wouldn't have had him. <laughs> wouldn't matter. Yeah. yeah, but you know, he wasn't great towards the end of last season. Was used quite sparingly when he did play. Didn't do an awful lot. Um, United away being the exception. But, but he was an option. We don't have that option exactly, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Mares can't play. Mares can play on the left, but he's not. Gonna, he's not that winger who's getting down the outside and whipping crosses in. He's a central, pretty central player. Mares who's being forced to play wide because of the options we've got in the middle, really. Um, so yeah, we just don't have this. Apart from Sterling, we don't have this out and out winger. And I don't think you can play Sterling on the right and Mares on the left or Bernardo on the left. I don't think it works. So we just 
we just have to play the system really and there are times when teams are playing with a, a low block and they're struggling to get through and they're forced out into the fullbacks uh, quite often to whip these balls into the box and that's not really working either is it so yeah but I'll t- I tell you what we should carry on trying is when we're behind chip chip a really floated ball into yeah. the box because that always works <laughs> Ilkay Gundogan what special what the hell yeah. is that about uh, <laughs> I think that's another podcast entirely um, I, I, this was an, this question got uh, grabbed me because it's quite interesting from Phil Thomas on the email how good would it have been to watch this City team playing at Main Road? Do you think the old ground would have had a better atmosphere watching this level of football than the Etihad does? I think Main Road would have fell down by now, wouldn't it, unfortunately? <laughs> no. um, I think, well, like, because um, obviously I'm I'm from Manchester, but I I, I mostly grew up in Ireland, um, uh, you know, moved there when I was younger. So most of, most of my football watching experience has been at the Etihad since I've moved back. So I think you're you're definitely a better place to answer this right, question. Right? Yeah. Than me, well, the atmosphere was definitely better at Main Road, wasn't it? I think um, the it was one of those old fashioned grounds where you you felt Just like you were right on top of the pitch. There wasn't this big sort of bowl shape that the Etihad has got, where a lot of the atmosphere sort of dissipates into the air. The atmosphere can be great at the Etihad when I think it'll be good on on Saturday against Chelsea. You know, Liverpool last season it was fantastic, wasn't it? And the derbies are always great. Um, I think weirdly we generally have a good atmosphere against Chelsea. Yeah. I can think of a, a fair few games where it's been absolutely bouncing, and I can think of games at Main Road where it was quiet as well. It's, it wasn't. It's a bit of a myth that Main Road was this like amazing atmosphere every week. I think that's sort of uh, you know the uh, rose tinted spectacles people look back on the times at Main Road with a little bit sometimes. And uh, yeah, you know, we left for a reason, didn't we? Because it wasn't fit for purposes of stadium anymore, unfortunately. So do you not miss it? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, but. I miss a lot of things, you know. <laughs> I miss Lou Reed, and you know he's gone, isn't he? So, <laughs> I'll have to listen to the Patreon special to understand why I brought that. Is, yeah, is, specific, is it specifically why you moved to Berlin? Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Uh, well, one uh, rather brief question to finish for me and Watts on the emails: Who should be City's main penalty taker? Uh, Gund- Gundogan, if if he's on the pitch, which he is most of the time, um, it, it definitely shouldn't be Aguero, and it definitely shouldn't be Jesus. Um, I think yeah, Gund- Gundogan for me or Edison, <laughs> yeah or De Bruyne. I know he's, he's the missed last under Pep. Yeah, Everton wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. but I, every, I, everyone's missed under Pep I except Gundogan. Still to take a decent penalty. I would I would imagine. I'd have, I'd, have, I'd, have Stirl- I'd have Sterling ahead of Aguero and Jesus by, by a considerable distance. The only one I can think that Sterling's missed was, was when he chipped, chipped it over the bar against Leicester, Leicester and it was just he was just playing silly buggers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I um. So he scored. He scored against Watford, and he scored against Chelsea. Uh, he's taken three, hasn't he? Yeah. But but yeah, I'd have uh, Gundogan one, then probably Sterling two. If I'm being serious, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad shout at all, actually. Yeah. And definitely not Mares. Sorry, by the way, because <laughs> yeah. I, I, th- I, th- I think Nasser is still tracking that. Ball. He popped into but, my head for a second, and I was thinking, why not Mares? But, <laughs> but, there's, <laughs> but there's, there's plenty of reason why not Mares because he missed against us. He as missed. Well. A, he's missed against us a couple of times. Oh, yeah. He missed against us in the League Cup. Um, in it might have been that Sterling. Uh, one where Sterling missed it was yeah uh, he missed against us for Leicester where he hit it twice yeah. and uh, it was oh, overturned God, yeah, yeah. and I think he missed against us for Leicester before that again as well it was just like he, 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 he had a job a, of missing penalties he, he had a terrible record for Leicester yeah, yeah. 
Right, well that's it for another week on the Blue Moon Podcast, but if you'd like to hear some more, then you can sign up to our Patreon page. Not only will you be supporting the show, but you'll also get some bonus episodes and blogs. Take a look at patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. This week's extra is all about our memories of City taking on Chelsea and a little bit about Lou Reed from uh, from Dan. Uh, if you've enjoyed this week's <laughs> show, then please head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and give it a rating and review. If you've not enjoyed it, then just ignore that last bit and uh, carry on with your day. We'll be back next week to review this week's football and we'll look ahead to the trip to Newcastle, so see you then. the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast